Because church, the oftentimes true principle I believe in our lives is that we, church, we live for what we are surrendered to. So your faith and your hope, not wishing, not crossing fingers. Church, this is confident expectation. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. God, I pray that you would just move in our midst as we surrender all, as we empty self of self, and as we look towards the old rugged cross and through the empty tomb. Father, I pray that as we renounce everything in this life and we simply just want to be determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, Oh, Father, I pray that you would speak in this moment. Give us a word of refreshment. Give us a word right now, Father, that sustains us in whatever battle we're going through. Give us a word, oh, Father, that will... Just simply speak into our lives that we would begin to sing a new song. A song of obedience, perhaps. A song of pursuing holiness. A song that drives deep into the fibers of who we are. So Holy Spirit, as we surrender ourselves to You, Father, as I yield myself to You right now to open Your Word, I pray that that You would speak, that You would move in power. Don't allow us to leave here today not being changed. But God, I pray that You would change me. God, I pray You would change us. Conform us right now into the image of Christ. Help me to decrease while You infinitely increase, O God. And we'll be quick to give You all the praise, to give You all the glory. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, looking at verses 20 through 21 today. I want to invite you to a turn there in your Bible, and I want to remind us, as we often do, about our mission, because we want to keep the mission at the forefront of all that we do, and and the mission here at our church is that we exist for the glory of God to be disciples of Jesus that go and make disciples of Jesus, and and I pray that's your mission. Uh, That's my mission. Uh, That's my life's passion that I want to live every day for the glory of God. I want to make a difference. I want to get to the end and get there with no regrets, but I want to leave everything on the field. And yet we live in this culture that pushes against that, doesn't it? 
We live in a culture that progressive Christianity is the flavor of the day. Well, I got news. Uh, There's nothing progressive about the Bible. Uh, The Bible is true. It said what it needs to say. It has the final word. Just because the culture doesn't like certain aspects of the truth of God's Word doesn't mean we're going to kowtow to that and bend to it. No, we lovingly, truthfully, but with grace and mercy say, this is what the Word of God says. This is thus saith the Lord. And in the midst of that, where people are trying to literally deconstruct Christianity or dismantle it, now, we need believers in Jesus Christ that will, will stand tall for the truth. We need believers in Jesus Christ that say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We need believers in Jesus Christ that no matter what comes our way, that, that it doesn't matter because we know that our God is for us and He's not against us. We know confidently that greater is He that's within us than He that's in the world. We know we operate from the victory, not hoping for the victory. And as we begin to marinate on these truths, we ask ourselves this question today from this text in 1 Peter of truthfully, what are my faith and hope in? Ask yourself those questions right now. Truthfully, what are my faith and hope in? It's easy to give the pat church answer, isn't it? Well, of course, it's Jesus, right? But actions are the evidence of what our faith and our hope really are in. Our actions will represent exactly where we're headed in this life regarding the faith journey, regarding the hope journey. So many people I talk to on an ongoing basis are struggling right now in this life. There's a lot of pain, there's a lot of wounds, a lot of scars in the heart of broken relationships. And you combine that with a culture that's looking for anything and everything to dull the pain and fill the void of life, and it can be real tempting to want to get out from under the truth of God's Word. It can be very tempting to say, well, that's a little convicting, and uh, that offends my flesh, and I don't want to go down that path, and so I like this part, but I don't like that part. And if we're not careful, we begin to assemble our own truth, which is not truth. I think Peter addresses this so beautifully in these two verses today as we mine the Scriptures. And as Spurgeon said, visit many books, but live in the Bible. Visit many books, but live in the Bible. Well, here's the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, 20-21. And here's what the Word says. He, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, make a note of that, but was made manifest, was revealed in the last times. Now, that's not what you think it means, I'm going to explain that here in just a moment, for why. Here's the why. For the sake of you. If you got a highlighter, that's right there what you wanted to highlight. 21 who through Him are, present tense, believers where? In this world, in your bank account, in your house, your car, your retirement? No, in God. 
Who did what? Who raised Him. Who raised Jesus from the dead and gave Him glory. Why? So that your faith and your hope are in God. And all God's people said, great truths, amen, in a world that is looking for something to sink their teeth into, because as they're going from one thing to the next, of looking for anything again that's going to at least numb the pain of life, there is only one solution, and His name is Jesus, because He is the fountain of living waters, amen? Peter here addresses this so beautifully, and he comes out swinging, because if you go back to last week's message, Here's how this is all set up in verse 17 in your Bible, 1 Peter 1, 17. And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. So each one, conduct, behave yourselves, how? With fear, with holy awe, reverence, throughout the time of your exile. Again, he's writing to those persecuted Christians. Uh, They're on the run, so to speak. But yet here we are, and as true believers in Christ, and I'm telling you, this is going to get worse. Buckle up. But if you're a true believer in Christ, it's real. It's not phony. It's not baloney. It's not a charade. But it's real. The persecution is coming to America. And in many cases, it's already here. And you may not be physically exiled, But the Bible is very clear that we are in this world, but not of it. That our citizenship is not here. For the true believer, we're just passing through. It's very, very key we understand these truths. Because if your hope is built on anything other than the Word of God, as the culture continues to try to push you and fashion you into its mold... If you have not already made the declaration on the front end, you will bend, you will buckle, and you will break. That's just how this works. Our flesh is so weak. But for those who say, look, I know my Redeemer lifts. I know what He did for me. I know that He gave His life for me. I know that He sacrificed everything for me for those that understand that deep biblical truth and you yourself have now given your life to Him, uh, not as just some external demonstration verbally, but it's a true surrender, a true giving over of your life to Him. And now there's what we call union to Him. There's a union to Christ. When there is a true union to Christ, that when the persecution comes... Even though, as the Bible says, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few will find it. Narrow, few, and life. And broad is the way. Broad. Broad is the way. And many are going to go in by it And all there is is destruction. That when you have made that declaration and the life has been given over to Christ, it's not something you go, hey, the pressure's mounting and and the screws are tightened. I think I'm going to bail. No, you never turn when your life has been given to Christ. 
No, you press in deeper to Christ. And yet right here from that launch text, it says they're in exile because they're knowing, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal, worthless ways that were inherited from your forefathers. And yes, there are times where there's generational sin. As I shared with you, one of my biggest fears is that my children would inherit my sin, my shortcomings. Um, I pray that that would not happen, that the Lord would spare them from that. But the bottom line is this, no matter what has happened to me as a child and you as a child or you today or me today, I can never blame anyone else for my sin in response to their sin. Each one of us have a choice of how we're going to respond to the injustices of life, how we respond to the sin of people in our life. If I'm constantly blaming everyone else and now I'm living in sin, now I'm cohorting and now what am I doing? I'm an accomplice to the crime. That's why here in this glorious, glorious text, it goes on and says there in verse 20 as we open today, as we sink this plow deep and feast on the Word, it says this, He was foreknown, Jesus, before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times. Here it is, for the sake of you. So church, understand this very deep truth. He was foreknown. This is eternity past. One of the great commentators of the day said it like this. Peter made it clear that Christ's death was an appointment, not an accident. For it was ordained by God before the foundation of the world. See, He was revealed. He was made manifest. He was exposed, if you will, in a good way. He was God incarnate, we say, around the Christmas time. That baby Jesus comes to this earth as he's on a mission, isn't he? And his mission was he was born to die, but his real mission was he was born to conquer the grave. Amen? That we were ransomed, that a, a costly price, that he literally took the greatest ransom note there was in human history. And he paid the debt, he canceled the debt. He said, I want to take your place. And yet so often we, we treat that with lukewarmness, apathy and indifference, casual Christianity. When did he do this? Well, in the last times, and that's not referring to eschatology. It literally means this, so between the first coming and the second coming of Christ. So here we are, and we're, we're in these days. And he does all this in that last phrase, in that verse 20, for the sake of you. He does this for the sake of you, for the reason of. Think about this. So what Christ did was because, yes, out of obedience to the Father, amen. But he saw the predicament that we were in. That there is nothing, I mean zero. You can, as we said last week, we could take every bank across America, we could pile all the money from every bank in this room up to the ceiling, and it would only scratch the scratch on the surface of the debt for my sin alone. That's how vast my sin is. My sin is so great. But aren't you glad? 
Church, aren't you glad that my sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross and we bear it no more? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It is now well with our soul. Amen, church? That's an amen moment. And we, by the way, we don't live in that so that we can go out and sin. Do we go on sinning that grace may abound? Certainly not. When you understand the sewer that you've been freed from, why on earth would you go back to the sewer? It doesn't make any logical sense, let alone spiritual sense. But that's the allure of sin, isn't it? That's the deceitfulness of sin. See, Christ did this for the sake of you. For the sake of you. He did this. He did this. Not so that we could cohabitate with sin. He did this to free us. He did this because He wants to make a difference in your life today. He wants to use you today. He wants to use you as you go to the workplace tomorrow. He wants to use you for such a time as this to redeem the time as the Word of God dwells in you richly. He did it for the sake of you. I've had people ask me before, say a comment, you know, I wish Jesus would do something for me. It's like, come again? Let me get this straight. You want Jesus to do something for you. Yeah. What's He not doing for you? Well, you know, you know I, don't, I don't like the car I drive, or you know, I want to move to this community. Or... Do you understand, for the sake of you, He shed His only blood? He shed it that you might be ransomed, that you might be free from the grip and the dominion of sin, from the power of hell. He took you from that miry clay and He conveyed you into the marvelous light of His glory and His praise. And that's all He did for you. Ah, oh, it's everything. When the true believer understands what they've been saved from and what they've been saved to, it changes everything. And that's why key number one is so important. So key number one says it like this in your notes. Christ came to this earth to rescue from the grip of darkness those who by God's grace and through faith repent and give their lives to Him. Key number one, write it down. Christ came to this earth to rescue, to save from the grip of darkness those who by God's grace and through faith repent and give their lives to Him. There's no rescue without repentance. There's no way around this. Jesus is really clear. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn, not one's behavior, but change one's mind. As you change your mind, you think clearly. You see clearly. Finally, for the first time, the scales are removed. You hear clearly. The spiritually deaf are no longer clogged. They see finally for the first time that that when I see Him in all His glory and all His praise, and I just want to be like Jesus. We repent and we no longer want to walk in that. We're a new creation. 
The old has passed away. All things, not some things, all things have what church? Become new. That's what Christ does. You don't have an encounter with Jesus and supposedly give your life to Him and then remain the same. Jesus doesn't look at you or me and go, man, you're a tough case. I'm not sure if I can work on this one. Let me get back to you. No, He has the power right now, no matter what you are in, no matter the sin struggle you're in, He has the power to break every chain. That's how powerful my Jesus is. It's all about His blood, isn't it? I know you're probably wondering, why the urgency? I think a better question would be to ask, what's at stake? Have you ever thought about that? Spiritually, what's at stake? In your home, spiritually, what's at stake? At your workplace, spiritually, what's at stake? On your ball team, spiritually, what's at stake? In your church, spiritually, what's at stake? I mean, what's at stake? There's got to be something that's at stake here. We're not called just to gather together and high five or fist bump or elbow bump and, you know, get out of here and hit the drive through. There's got to be something at stake here. I believe 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 5 through 9 gives us the answer. 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 9. Here's what's at stake. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant you relief who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, what a visual. And here we go. In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the Gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. That's what's at stake. For those people in your home that have never given their lives to Christ, that's what awaits them. Let me read this again. It's the Word of God. I pray that it sinks in deep because it makes me, almost brings me to tears. 
in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of our Lord. That's what's at stake. I don't know how any true believer can read that and view that in a cavalier, apathetic, indifferent way. Because that's what's at stake. This is the seriousness of the mission. We must be urgent about the call. We need men and women and students all over this church to to rise up and to say that's what's at stake. Souls will go to a hell where God is not and there aren't any do-overs. And many of you have people in your families that the reality is they've raised a hand and said a prayer and signed the card and they're lost. They've never given their life to Christ. That's what's at stake. I pray that that motivates you as it deeply motivates me. I pray it stirs like never before. Because it's just too easy to go along to get along. Is it going to be offensive? You better believe it. Will the crowd get smaller? You better believe it. I don't know about you. I want to be all in for Jesus. Those thoughts were just deeply, deeply searing in my mind this past week. As I pictured so many people who have this false assurance from a false conversion as a child. And they think because they did something that they're in the club. The most unloving thing we can do is not tell people the truth. That's the most unloving thing you can do. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. You say, how does this fit in with Peter? How how does this fit in? Where do you tie this together? And I believe seamlessly you can because he's reiterating 
to his audience then and to us now as we are as an American church. We're going to continue to go into what I believe even more persecution as our country continues to unravel. Take this to the bank, though, church. We serve the God who never unravels himself. That in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the lies, in the deception, hang tall and place your hat on the truth of God's word. Just cling to it with a fervor, with a desperation. I believe God's promises are true. How about you? Do you believe that? I believe they're true. Not only the ones that I like to hear, but the ones that offend me are true. Amen? Matter of fact, when you look at God's Word from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. Amen? Every promise of God is yes and amen. When God speaks, God delivers. And again, to the flesh, we love the promises that comfort us. But what about 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 and 9? In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to have a stiff neck. i got a hard heart. Don't tell me what to do. This gospel of Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. One of the things that I pray often is I ask the Lord to keep me in His presence. Have you ever prayed to the Lord to to keep you in His presence? There is something about the presence of the Lord. That's why in verse 21, I want you to look in your Bible for just a moment. So in verse 21, it says this, Who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead, and gave Him glory, so that, there's the why, so that what? Your faith and hope are where? In God. So again, Peter reminds us in both of these verses, Peter is reminding us of the great lengths. When you look at verse 21, you see the great lengths that Christ went to give us faith and hope. And the faith and the hope is rooted and built up in something. Think about this, that the faith and the hope is rooted and built up in something. I'm learning through yard maintenance that Healthy grass has good roots, and they're deep. I've also learned that weeds also have deep roots, that the health can have rootedness and being built up, but church, don't miss this, weeds can too. Weeds can have deep, deep roots. And the Bible says this, that while men slept, the enemy came and he, he sowed tares among the wheat. The tares, the, 
the injurious weeds that look like the wheat. It looks so normal. It looks so real. It looks so true. But it's not. While men slept, while men are spiritually asleep, men in our homes, we can't be spiritually asleep. Single moms, we can't be spiritually asleep. Grandmas and grandpas, you can't be spiritually asleep. The enemy is out to kill and destroy. When you profess Jesus, when you say we're all in, you have a bullseye on you, and he will pound you relentlessly until you submit to him. But when you've already made the declaration on the front end that it doesn't matter what you do to me, enemy, I won't bend the buckle nor break. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Lord will give you a faith. He will give you a hope that's rooted and built up in Him. That's why that verse 21 is so important as you look at it there. It's through Christ, through the blood of Christ. It's, his blood is the conduit, the channel. Christ is the only mediator. He's the only emancipator for my sin and your sin. All roads do not lead to God. All roads do not. Only the road of the blood of Jesus. People say, well, that sounds exclusive. It is. There's only one path. It's through Jesus Christ and Him alone. The Word says this, there's no other name you can be saved, but only by the name of Jesus. The Word says this, Jesus speaking, I am the way, definite article, the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. It's only through Jesus. Church, we're not going to win the world by being more like the world. We could bring in all the gimmicks and the games, but what you learn pretty quickly in ministry is what you get them with is what you keep them with. And now we're on this journey to entertain everyone, and we just open the Word here. Say, this is what the Word of God says. It'll set you free. And those who want to obey, open the Bible, tuck in the napkin, and begin to feast, Right? And those that don't want to obey the Word, it's very offensive. I mean, it can be tense. But let me encourage you, when you're at the workplace and that tension is there, that tension is there, that you're in that cubicle, that desk, and now you're being called out where you stand because you can't squirm and hide anymore, do it lovingly, gracefully, and mercifully. But stand tall for the gospel. Because you actually, in your boldness, that point in time may be the catalyst that God is foreordaining, so to speak, in the plan of Him to be the very path that person's going to take to get to Jesus. I just wonder if we often forget that we're believers in God. Not just intellectual, not just emotional. It's faith and action. It's total surrender. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes, whoever literally commits their life to Him is what that means. 
We've got to get out of this. I just believe it. I took this mental ascent. I did these mental gymnastics. I'm in the club. What's the secret handshake? No, it's whoever gives their life to Him. And Jesus is like, in John 6, he's, everyone's leaving. Jesus is the only religious leader I can think of who actually tried to thin the crowd. Marinate on that one for a moment. They're all leaving them. John 6, 66, then his disciples left and walked with him no more. All these droves, and there's Peter and the ragtag bunch of bad news bears. And Jesus looks at them and goes, do you want to leave too? And Peter rightly responds, but Lord, where will we go? You have the words of life. Oh, we live in this Mickey Mouse, evangelical, cultural Christianity full of consumerism. And it's just ravaging people's faith for their faith that was not real in the first place. When it's real, it will be real. When there's a true change, there will be a true change. And here, this is what Peter is talking about because they're suffering. He's saying, you're suffering, and I know the temptation is to look for the exit ramps, right? What do we do? Well, I I don't like pain, so let's get out of here. Let's go to something comfortable. Peter's like, don't go anywhere other than stay in the arms of Jesus who ransomed you. He paid the greatest debt that you would ever pay. He paid it with his own blood and set you free. What else did he do? He gave him glory there. It says in verse 21, doxa, majesty, splendor, praise. You know, I believe often, I believe often we don't give the Lord the glory He's due because we're really not in His presence like we should be. So what's the why? Well, look at verse 21. So that, there's two things, your faith not just a belief in, but a life surrendered to. Make a note of that so that your faith, not just a belief in, but a life surrendered to. Big difference. So that your faith, not just a belief in, but a life surrendered to. Because church, the oftentimes true principle, I believe, in our lives is that we, church, we live for what we are surrendered to. So your faith and your hope. Not wishing, not crossing fingers. Church, this is confident expectation. Like if you want to know what the word hope means, it means confident expectation. That I know that I know. That I may not see it, but I see the evidence of it. That I don't see the Lord right now, but I know the Lord is here that I know the Lord has changed me. You can say that because your life is no longer your own. You can say that because your life is no longer the same. You can say that because, oh, here's the deal. My Jesus has turned me upside down from the inside out. That's what happens to a life that's truly been converted, a true regeneration. There's faith and there's hope. And it's in God, not apart from God, 
in him. They're intertwined. Remember, it's all about an outflow. So many times people are like, well, you know, why don't we talk about, uh, you know, uh, building a, a more uh, a lasting marriage? Okay, that's a good thing. Why don't we talk about, um, you know, dealing with our finances? That's a great thing. How about we deal about getting along with our in-laws and our outlaws? Great thing, amen? But you know what I figured out? I figured out if we just talk about Jesus and we give our lives to Jesus, all the other issues we want talked about will take care of themselves. It's amazing how this works. It's like one preacher said, so many people, so many people are looking for a whole lot of how-to. What they really need is a whole bunch of want-to. If you just give your life to Christ, your marriage will take care of itself. If you really give your life to Christ, He'll work in your finances. If you really give your life to Christ, He'll, he'll deal with the family relational issues. It's, it's all an outflow. That's why our key number two is so important. And here's what it says, key number two. Jesus Christ conquered the grave so that those who give their lives to Him will have a faith and a hope that will last forever as it's rooted and built up in God. Key number two, write it down. Jesus Christ conquered the grave. Do you believe that today, church? Jesus Christ conquered the grave so that, here's the why, those who give their lives to Him will have a faith and a hope that will last forever as it's rooted and built up in God. Jesus' overarching goal for my life is not to be my divine butler and bring me my binky and blanky when life gets hard. Like he's on a call. You know, I ring the bell and he just kind of shows up. That's not his goal for my life. His goal for my life as a true believer in him, that I've given my life to him, that there is an old John and there's a new John. There's still a whole lot of work to do. Just ask my family. But there's a new John on the scene. Here's the deal. His goal for me is that I'm holy as he is holy. His goal for me is I'd pursue obedience. His goal for me is I'd be conformed to His image. His goal for me is that I'd have the righteousness of Him. Those are His goals for me. And yet so often we see that in this life we're, we're looking outside of that, but we are to be set apart. We are, we are called to do the, the right things when things are hard. The right things, the holy things are not easy, are not always the easy things to do. Question for you as we think on this key number two. If someone rescued you today from a burning structure, and they pulled you from the burning structure, and you knew that if you were not pulled from it, you would die. How would you treat that person who saved you from that day forward? If you're in a burning structure and you know that if you are not pulled from it, you will die. You know this. 
but someone risked their life to pull you from the burning structure, how would you treat that person from that day forward? See, Christ, for the true believer, has pulled you from the greatest fire there ever is or will be. He's pulled you. It cost Him His life to pull you from it. And the question for me and you today is if we're professing that that true rescue, how do we treat Him? Is He really first? Would we treat Him or do we treat Him how we would treat that person who rescued you today from a burning building? I mean, can you imagine someone pulls you from a burning building today and what would you do? I mean, you're, you're at their beck and call, aren't you? I mean, you're just thanking them, and every time you see them or you're trying to reach out to them, you're constantly showing your, your gratitude and your affection and your love and your appreciation. And that's in a finite example in a physical realm. And here Christ is who saved us and pulled us from the flaming pit, if you will, the lake of sulfur. And how often do we treat Him with disregard and disrespect? I want you to look at the Bible for a moment here. I want to give you three different verses, context verses, about what the Bible says about this faith and hope. Colossians 2, 13-15. Colossians 2, 13-15. And you who were dead, past tense, in your trespasses, in your sin, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him. Praise God. Amen. Having forgiven us all, all our trespasses. How? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it, nailing it, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and He put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. And all God's people said, Amen. Hebrews 9.12 Hebrews 9.12 Once again more on this being dead in our trespasses. He entered once for all into the holy places. I love this. Christ entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, here it is, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Did you catch this? Jesus Christ didn't go, hey, there has to be blood shed, and so let's just find anyone else's blood or a goat's blood. He goes, no, that's my blood that's going there. My blood's going there. My blood is going to atone and propitiate and be that substitutionary atonement that could impute my righteousness to the person who gives their life to me. Think about the cost. It cost Jesus His life to rescue your life. Hebrews 9.27-28 says it like this. Hebrews 9.27-28 And just as it is appointed for men to die once And after that comes the judgment. Here it is, church. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, 
not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Did you see this? Hebrews 9, 27 through 28. This is the glory about the faith and the hope that we have as believers. For you that are here today that are a true believer in Christ, you've given your life to Him. It is a real conversion. This is the faith and hope you have right here. Let me read this again. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. When's the last time that you and I eagerly waited for Christ? When's the last time we waited? Said, Lord, I... You're the air I breathe. I'm in this broken, I'm in this broken, fallen, depraved world. I'm in a body of death. But I know I've given my life to you, and I just eagerly await for you. Oh, imagine what happened all over this room, all over this room, and, and the families represented here if we began to eagerly await the coming of King Jesus. What would that do to our evangelism? What would that do to our discipleship? What would that do to our commitment to the Lord and to the body of Christ? What would that do? Well, if we're eagerly awaiting for Him, we equally would understand 2 Thessalonians 1, 5-9. And the eternal destruction for those who disobey and do not know God. And the motivation and the fervor and the passion to go live for Him would not have to be conjured up. Wouldn't have to twist arms. It's just a, this is what I get to go do. To go make a difference. All for the praise of His glory. You know, Ephesians 2 gives us a great illustration of the person's life before and after Christ. Here's the person before giving their life to Christ. They're spiritually dead, walking according to the prince of the power of the air. They're sons and daughters of disobedience. They're children of wrath. They have no hope. That person is far off. There's enmity. There's war with God. They're strangers to God. They're foreigners to God. How about the person who's given their life to Christ? He made us alive together with Him. Amen. By grace, we've been saved. We've been raised up. He's made us sit together in the heavenly places. We now have the gift of God. We are His workmanship. We were brought near. We were brought near by the blood of Christ. He Himself is our peace. Christ has broken down the middle wall of separation. Christ abolished. He abolished the enmity, the war between God and man. Christ created the new man and made peace with God. We were reconciled to God by Christ. Through Christ, we now have access to the Father. And yes, 
And we are now fellow citizens and saints because of Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but I am so glad I am in that latter list. Praise Jesus. Amen. Because there's nothing greater. So today, here's the takeaway question. Truthfully, truthfully, be honest. Truthfully, what do my actions reveal that my faith and hope are in? Truthfully, are we relying on our our life and our jobs and the seeming security, which is not security in this life? What do our actions truthfully reveal? Let our faith and hope are in. Oh, be careful how we answer this because Galatians 6.3 warns us. Galatians 6.3, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Oh, pride is a slippery slope. It's so deceiving. It's so ensnaring. We're often caught in the cords of it and don't even realize it. And that's why the action steps today are two. Number one, if I've never given my life totally to Jesus, I will do so now. I cannot beg you, beseech you, implore you. But my prayer is this, that if you've never given your life to Christ, I pray right now will be the moment. There's nothing more important you'll ever do in this life than give your life to Jesus. There's nothing for those that profess that, but it's not real, my heart breaks for you. We can live in denial. That's a true option. But denial will never change reality. It won't happen. And the last thing you want to live in denial on is your spiritual standing with God. Action step number two. If I have truly given my life to Jesus, if you have, if I've truly given my life to Jesus, I will seek to be totally surrendered to Him in every area of my life. Number two, if I've truly given my life to Jesus, praise God, number one, but I will seek to be totally surrendered to Him in every area. Maybe right now He's revealing to you the areas you're holding back. You're holding on and you're saying, Jesus, I'll give you this, but I won't give you this. This is mine. And that's just not how this works. He wants everything in your life. He wants you, by the mercies of God, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants all of you today. I mean, it's possible to hang around Jesus and not be like Jesus. And so I pray today that as we ask that question, what do our faith and hope in? I pray, God, you'll speak. Father, we come before you in this time as we humble ourselves, as we renounce the, the flesh and its tendencies to rebel. Oh, God, I pray that as was once said, go find something to live for and then go die for it. Oh God, I pray, help us to find Jesus because He's worth dying for. So Father, would You move in our midst today? Father, in this world we live in where 
the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Many continue to fall away from the faith all over our country. Oh God, I pray, keep us rooted and built up in You. No matter the persecution, no matter what comes our way, God, help us to stand tall by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do everything, but let's refuse right now to do nothing. Oh God, move in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. Grab hold of hearts today. Do the work that only you can do. And we'll be quick to give you all the praise, to give you all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.